Welcome to the Leap to Lead podcast. I'm Emily Rogers and I am your host. I'm here to support you to take the leap and lead your life where you want to be. Are you ready to take that leap? Let's get in and hear today's episode. So hello and welcome to a really interesting interview. Well, I'm really interested in this interview today with Deborah Godfrey, who is a specialist in positive parenting. Now, if you've known me for a while, you know that a number of years ago, I started a journey to change the way I interacted with my daughters. And I was tired of always yelling and I had to change the way I wanted to approach that. And a lot of it was about me taking control of my emotions and my my mindset. And Debbie, Debbie, I want to call you Debbie. Debbie yeah, call me Debbie. Debbie. Debbie's fine. Debbie Debbie's what it is, yes. <laughs> Debbie and I connected and we, as soon as I saw uh, where Debbie came from and what she'd been doing, I was like, oh my God, I have to have this interview. Because <laughs> Debbie comes from a background in positive parenting and she's worked in India and China, which you all know is very dear to my heart. But what she does is helps parents regain control of the home by breaking the cycle of yelling. And I think that is so powerful because we all, I know now for it to change, it has to be about me. And I think, you know, Debbie, I'm so excited to have you here today because I want to learn more and I'm sure the people out there do too. So I haven't done you justice. Would you like to introduce yourself properly? No, you did great. And my name's, yes, Debbie Godfrey. And I've been teaching parenting for close to 30 years. And it's work that I love and makes a difference in the world. And, and when I was, my kids were young, I got to stay home after school for them. And that's what I, <laughs> how, you know, when I originally got into this, it was because it worked for my family. And I also taught from the standpoint of we need best, we teach best that which we most need to learn. And I always said, that's why I was such a great teacher at this when my kids were young. <laughs> and if I, if I went two or three weeks between teaching classes, I would start yelling at my kids again. So I knew I had to be teaching all the time to keep it front, front and center for me. Now, not all parents have that much stress and, you know, negative parenting background that they need to be teaching parenting. But I think it, everybody needs to do whatever they need to do to keep themselves sane and to keep learning and finding out new things and really connecting with their children and knowing when you need help and when it's time to say, help, I don't know what I'm doing. I need something and, and reach out. Yeah. And I think that's really key what you're saying. It it becomes a spiral, doesn't it? You know, it, it starts with a little bit and the more that you do yell and the more that you have that negative emotion happening in the home, the more it does manifest and we actually have to break the cycle, don't we? For sure. And I, when I first took my first parenting class, my kids were one, two, and six. And I was so excited about everything I learned. And I had so many new tools and I did not yell for seven months. Like I literally did not yell. I had plenty of things to do instead. I was motivated. I was interested in it. I was immersing myself in it. And I don't remember what happened seven or eight months later. I probably was overtired or something like that. And I yelled and my son actually crouched down, 
put his hands over his ears and like shivered. And I could see it was hurting him and it was scaring him. And before that, when I was yelling all the time, it, it just bounced off of them. And, you know, they, the kids learn to numb out or tune us out or whatever coping mechanism that they need if we're yelling at them a lot of times. And so it was just such a striking moment for me of seeing the impact that my yelling really does have on my kids yeah. when they're not protecting themselves from yeah. me. And that more than anything else motivated me to keep going, keep trying, keep working on it till I got to the place where it's not that I never yell anymore. And now I'm a grandmother. So my kids are 36, 31 and 30. And then I have five grandchildren. So the grandkids are keeping me, you know, in my game. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, and it's not that I've never even yelled at them. I mean, there's been moments that when I've been with them and something's happened, but I'll tell you, it's, it shocks me now when I yell. Not, it's not even about them. It's like, whoa, what is happening in this circumstance right now? And first I look at myself, am I overstressed? Am I overtired? That's always my first Mm go-to is how am I, am I taking care of myself? And if I'm good, then I can look at the child's behavior and see where have I been not paying enough attention that this is escalated to the point where I felt like I needed to raise my voice because that's not, that's not anywhere near where I am am or want to be. And if I'm at that, if I get pushed to that place, you know, something's going on (laughs) and I'm going to figure it out because (laughs) it is not okay with me. Not okay with me to be yelling at all. Oh, I know. And and I think you've really touched on it there as well. You know, your, your kids are now adults and now you've got grandchildren, but it, it, it is a process, isn't it? And it's something that because when, when we yelling all the time, and, and I think people will relate to this, if you're in that negative spiral, it becomes an automatic response. To change our habits, it takes time and it takes conscious effort as well. So you said- And- Sorry, go. Yeah. Well, no, it takes effort and it takes some skills. And that's where parenting classes and the work that I do comes in. I don't think it's fair to tell a parent, yeah, don't yell at your kids. It's bad for them without giving them 10 things to do instead when the children are misbehaving. Because I think you you can't just say don't yell or don't spank or whatever it is, because they don't know, they don't have what to do instead. And, and that's just not fair, in my opinion. You know, we have to arm ourselves and arm parents with those options of what are you going to do if the kid's talking back to you? What are you going to do if they're not listening to you? You have to know and have a plan for how you're going to respond effectively rather than reacting emotionally and yelling. Yeah. So I think you touched on it. Certainly my own experience when I've yelled the most is when I've been unhappy in myself and that manifests in how I, my relationship with my daughters. What, what do you do? What's the process you do to check in with yourself? I don't know that I have an actual process, but that is like the first and most important topic in the parenting class is teaching parents to take care of themselves. And I know we give a ton of lip service to this and every expert out there is telling people, take care of yourself, take care of yourself. And you really have to, to dwell with that and understand what does that mean for you? Every parent is so different. Some parents need more time with their kids. Maybe they're working too much and it's time with the kids that's needed. Some parents need time away from the children. So if you're, if you're an at-home mom and you don't get any breaks, getting a babysitter and 
going to see a movie. Well, you're not going to go see a movie right now, but go to a park or go, you know, <laughs> do something for yourself, it, you know, to give, give yourself that extra energy or that break that you need. And every parent has to figure out this plan for themselves of what recharges my batteries for me getting a massage back when I had when my kids were young getting a massage and doing bubble baths were my go-tos and I knew if I, I I got a massage every other week whether I needed to or not whether I could afford it or not it was just it was part of my routine because I could come home from that and my kids could act up in any way yelling, fighting, talking back. And I would handle it like mother Teresa. I was so good when I had come back from a massage. I was good. Yes, (laughs) totally. I was the best parent ever. But you know, if I'm not doing that regularly for myself, I'm, I don't have anything left when I get under a little bit of stress. And so you need to figure that out. And I think everybody has different home lives. Mm. There may be single parents, maybe it's two parents, but one has most of the burden of the childcare. Mm. And that's really stressful. There might be conflict between parents, which is really stressful. So everybody has a different situation and you need to look at your own scenario and go, okay, what do I need to do to care for me for my children? We really ought to be taking care of ourselves for ourselves like ultimately that's where it needs to get to, but we don't, but, but yeah. we, don't we don't. And, but so if you, if you, if you can't bring yourself to do it for you, even though you ought to um, do it for your children, because really you're, you're not the best parent you can be if you're not caring for yourself. And even more parents don't realize this, but if you have unmet emotional, physical, mental needs if you're not nurturing yourself when you try to give to your kids or you think you're giving to your kids you're not you're robbing them so when you're in a deficit you actually suck that energy away from your children in a kind of unspoken way Mm -hmm. and so even if you're trying to be to serve your kids to Mm -hmm. take care of your children you're really not Mm -hmm. and so if you can see it from that point I think that helps a lot of parents go, okay, this needs to happen. I need to figure this out because when I'm cared for, when I'm getting my needs met, my children have the mom they deserve. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, it was, it was when we moved to Taipei and my audience will know my story, but when we moved to Taipei and I knew I needed to do something different, I knew my life had to change. I wanted something. I, I couldn't work anymore in the traditional sense. So I wanted something and that feeling of loss inside me and then I guess a loss of confidence as well because I wasn't sure what I could do anymore either it manifested but when you say that I remember you know I'd put dinner on the table I might sit with the kids but I really wasn't present I really wasn't engaging in conversation I wasn't sharing in their jokes I couldn't process a lot of what they were talking about because I wasn't in a good space in myself and I realize, as you're saying it, you're articulating it so much better than I do. <laughs> but, you know, it, you don't realize at the time what's going on because it's only with that hindsight you can see the difference. And I think if anyone's listening to this and, and you know, they're wondering, well, what does that actually look like? It, it is, you know, your kids want to play a game with you and you sit down and play the game, but you're finding it hard to really enjoy the game. That you're playing. Yeah, or you're checked out, you know, and you yeah. know, you're checked out. You're thinking about other things. You're, 
you're not looking, you're not focusing, you're not paying attention. Yeah. That's, and that's all kids need. They just need our focus. You can actually not have that great of parenting skills, but if you're focused and present, your kids actually do pretty good. They do really well. Yeah. I mean, they're very resilient. They can handle a lot of mistaken yeah. parenting and, and being emotionally checked out isn't one of the things that they handle or process well. And, and you, you, they can handle a lot, as you said. If you're yelling mm-hmm. all the time, they just learn to ignore it. Yep. They learn to Absolutely. Come, come out to it. So they do handle a lot, and their resilience does process it. You mentioned at the earlier on, you know, you look at yourself first, and then if you're okay, then you look at what you may have missed, what, what's been happening that you've missed. How does that work? Well, it's interesting. I There's... You know, I teach a 15 hour class, so I have a ton of hands on parenting stuff that we could get into and we're not going to obviously get into all of it. But one piece related to that question you just asked is when I'm when I'm teaching parents how to respond to what we call the goal of revenge. So there's a systematic way to approach parenting and discipline. And when your children are misbehaving, it's because they're discouraged from getting their needs met to feel loved, to feel valuable, to feel powerful, et cetera. And if they're, if they're either gonna get those needs met through appropriate behavior or inappropriate behavior, but they're gonna get it met through whatever way works. And what happens is they stumble on all these inappropriate ways to get their needs met. One of those ways is through what we call the goal of revenge. And this is a behavior where when your children are doing it, you're gonna feel hurt like you wanna hurt them back. So usually they're saying mean things or they're breaking things or they're, they're doing mean or hateful things. And that causes you to go, what did I do? And, you know, I feel hurt and I'm going to make you feel hurt the way I feel hurt. And this yeah. cycle of viciousness just goes back and forth when we don't understand that that child feels like right now I feel hurt. And so I'm going to make you, my parent, feel hurt the way I do to show you how hurt I am. We don't understand that discouragement inside them. And so we further make this worse worse by punishing them Mm. and telling them to stop whatever they're doing and shape up and whatever we do to to try to discipline this. And it makes it worse. So one time my daughter, Brianna, came home from school. She was probably about 10 or 11. And she walked in the door and she slammed the door. And I was like, I wanted to say, don't slam the door. But I, (laughs) I held off. And then she came in and she started mouthing to me like yelling at me and saying mean stuff to me and I I was I was actually shocked and I was thinking like what did I do because I know about the goal of discur- of of revenge and how she could be discouraged and I'm trying to figure out what did I do I haven't like I've been teaching a lot of classes I feel like I've been a pretty good parent lately <laughs> and, I, and I couldn't think of anything I had done cuz the goal of revenge often comes from us parents being too busy and not paying enough attention or punishing too much. There's usually something we do that causes, it's like a straw that breaks the camel's back and causes them to have this outburst of, I hate you or you're mean or whatever. And so I couldn't think of what I did, but I, I, I said, ouch, that hurts when you yell at me like that. And I'm trying to think of what I may have done to hurt you. And I can't think of anything, but if I did something, I apologize for it. And she just stomped off to her room and slammed her door. And I sat on the couch and I'm like, what in the world has gone wrong with my daughter? <laughs> like, <laughs> I've been parenting really good. I don't know what's happening. I could tell it was the goal of revenge. I know how to handle this, you know, yeah. the steps. I started doing them, acknowledging the feelings, refraining from discipline. And 
And I'm sitting there trying to figure out what I'm going to do. And all of a sudden she comes out of her room. She's bawling her head off and she sits down next to me and I hug her and she's just crying in my arms. And after about five minutes of sobbing and I'm sitting there, I'm kind of rolling my eyes a little bit because she just had been really mean to me. And I don't, I don't know what's going on or whatever. And so, but I'm, I'm holding her. And then about five minutes in, she says, Keto and Jen and I got in a fight today and they're not my friends anymore. I'm like, really? So they hurt you and you come home and you hurt me. I didn't say that out loud, but yeah. now I can, now I can put the dots together of yeah. what happened and why she walked in the door that way. Yeah. So Emily, what would have happened when she came home and slammed the door and mouthed off to me if I had punished her? Yeah. Go to your room. <laughs> <laughs> right. What, but what would the end of result been, have been if I had done that, which most of us would have done? Yeah. Like, that's the, the common thing that we would all do in well, that she situation. Would have come back to hurt you again. It would have just perpetuated. Yeah. Yeah. And would she have fallen in my arms to get comforted? No. Heck no. You'll be none the wiser as to what the problem was. And I wouldn't know about her life or anything. So that's why, to me, it's so important to to understand and to seek to understand and to know that if a child's misbehaving, there's something underlying it. They are not out to get us. They are not trying to ruin our lives. If they're, if they're misbehaving, it's because they're hurting, they're discouraged. They're, they're somehow not getting their needs met. Something's going on in their world and it may be us. It may be something else. It doesn't even matter. The tools of positive parenting will help your children feel better and do better. And their behavior is corrected while building their self-esteem. It all works together. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when we, when we think about parenting, we think about yelling, we often think about younger children. You know, we often think about, you know, disciplining a younger child, but actually this is applicable to all ages. All ages, all ages. Absolutely. And depending, I mean, a lot of parents, are so apprehensive of the teen years coming. Yeah, I know why. <laughs> and, <laughs> and those are my favorite years. Like I love having teenagers. Never again will we have that passion and the energy that we have when we're teenagers. And if you have a good relationship in place with your kids because you've been cultivating a good relationship since they were little and using positive discipline and positive parenting rather than punitive forms of discipline, you'll have a good relationship. You'll have good parental authority. You're going to be able to trust your child's judgment because you'll see over time how well they can do and you won't have to be afraid. And actually most parents are doing way too much around the house. And those teenagers and preteens need to be doing a lot more. (laughs) And this isn't that you need to make them little work slaves or anything like that, but you, but they should be contributing and you can start really young because kids love to contribute when they're little. And it's not till they're teenagers that that becomes a drag, but if you make it, make it fun and enjoyable when they're little and acknowledge them. Thank you so much for how you contributed. When you pick up your toys after you played with them. It just makes my life so much better. I have a smile on my face. Thank you. And you give them the acknowledgements when they're little, then as they get bigger and into those teen years, they're willing to do it. They're never going to like doing it or say, Oh, thanks for giving me chores, (laughs) (laughs) but they'll be willing to do it. And that's all I care about is that, that they make a contribution. They don't have to like it, but they have to be willing to do it because everybody needs, everybody needs to work and, and contribute or the family doesn't work out. You can't have a completely stressed out parent or parents Mm. because they're doing everything and the kids are doing nothing. That's super bad for kids. 
and and if you're carrying the burden yourself then going back to the first part where you need to look after yourself you're exhausted you're stressed things manifest and you start the snowball again so you do need to right load yes yes so it's in this case it's not taking care of yourself it's taking care of making sure those kids are contributing (laughs) they need to be doing some of the work so that you're not doing it all absolutely and i i think i can't remember which episode it was recently but i was talking about it you know we're in 10 weeks now of lockdown and we're not arguing with that (laughs) but you know we are trying to make it more fun at the moment as well so you know we're we're singing songs while we're stacking the dishwasher or you know trying to teach the kids how to you know cook dinner or you know this is how you chop an onion that sort of thing we are trying to make it more fun i've noticed you know because we are now 10 weeks and my husband's still going to work each day he's an essential worker but the three of us are at home together all the time we exercise together we're home together like there's no break but the more fun we inject the more the conversations become more interesting as well so what you're saying is the more we can talk to our kids and build the relationships the stronger it's going to be later as well absolutely yeah Yeah, there's a a saying we have in the parenting teenagers workshop and it's rules without relationship equals rebellion it's Mm -hmm. you need to have that connection that relationship in order to have influence and yes to have fun to be able to connect to get along i remember there was another mom that came home and she was stressed out, had a headache, tired, and her, her son wanted her to go play in the backyard. And her first instinct is, no, I'm tired, I'm stressed, I have a headache, my boss yelled at me, no. And instead, she, she shifted her position, she chose to go out and play with him in the backyard, in the dirt pile. And about 15 minutes in, he started sharing some stuff with her that it would have been going on at school. And she realized if she didn't stop and put aside her stress and her pain that he would ever would have done that and her headache went away from playing in the backyard with them and so sometimes we just have to follow our children's lead and know that it's a choice yes I might be stressed out yes I might be tired but all it takes is a change of our mindset and we can keep going we all have that endurance we've done it before we can do it with our kids you can break it a little you said allow me to make a cup of tea I'll bring it outside with me so you can, you can yeah. capture those little moments that give you that pause and then you can go outside with them as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Speaking of tea, I'm going <laughs> to. <laughs> it's interesting because, I mean, it's not rocket science, is it? It's, it's not no. hard work. I mean, it, it, no, it, is, it is hard work. It's not easy. But it's not rocket science. It's not overly complicated. It's just that so often we aren't taking good care of ourselves. We're not in tune with ourselves. And so it is coming out in all the wrong ways in the way we interact with our kids. Are there any sort of little, um, I guess, mindset tips you've got or ways that you can sort of check in with yourself? If, you, if you're in this perpetual pattern, you don't always recognize what it is. No, and, and what you're talking about is that we're raised all of us are raised differently, but some things are pretty much the same. Usually our parents are either too strict or too lenient. Yeah. Very rarely there's parents who have, who there's parents who like take the parenting classes who were raised with parents that were a good balance of, we call it kind and firm. Yeah. And most people had either a parent that was way too strict or a parent that was way too lenient. And both of those things lead to, ineffective parenting and to 
a field day of misbehavior for kids. Like that it's just, it's, they rebel, they withdraw, they act up, you know, if you're not, if you're not balanced, if you're only too kind or too firm or vacillating between those two polarities, the, the, the children don't do well with that. Most of us were raised with that. I know I was raised with a, a, a mom who would give, 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 and then smack. Yeah. You know, she would go from one extreme to the other. My dad was always very strict. And so that was what I was raised with. And so as a parent, what happens is in my mind, I have my ideals. All of us say, well, I'm not going to do what my parents did until we become parents and all of a sudden we <laughs> see like ourselves i know <laughs> it's so devastating and the and the thing is that, that what we were raised with is what becomes our instincts mm. our our automatic reflex mm. so that when we're stressed that's what we go back to mm. so even if we create these intentions uh, when we grow up of what to do or not to do that's not what we have to fall back on when we're under stress. All we have is what we were raised with. And so to answer your question, you have to feed yourself new information mm. big time. Yeah. You have to see where your wounds are. And it's really easy to see this once you have children because they're perfectly designed to trigger our wounds. And what happens is, <laughs> isn't it interesting how this happens? I describe that. <laughs> But it's like where they're where where they're pushing our buttons. If, if if you are if you're a parent and you're listening to this, and if you've heard yourself say you're they're pushing my buttons, my child's pushing my buttons, I want you to look really closely at that. What is the child doing and what button's getting pushed? Because what's happening is this is this is your button is your wound that needs to be healed. And what it is is it relates back to something that happened for you in childhood where you may have been punished or maybe you, you didn't have enough guidance or something happened that now when your child's in front of you and behaves in a manner similar, you have a biochemical response yeah. that leads you back right to where you were in, in that time when maybe you were punished or, or whatever happened, whatever moment that was. And it's triggering you to have a bigger emotional response now than what's justified by whatever your child is doing in this moment. Mm -hmm. So you have an aggravated effect, an aggravated response to whatever your child's doing. If you can piece those things together, this is the brilliance in parenting. This is the healing, this is the journey. This is what makes it all worthwhile because this is the gift your child has to give you. Mm -hmm. this, this healing of whatever this is, is the gift that your, your child is here to bring you. And I know it doesn't look like that, most parents think that it looks like they're out to get me and I have the wrong kid. <laughs> but if you, if you take this on yeah. and say, this child's here to teach me, just like I'm here to teach them, yeah. and how am I going to learn? I'll give you an example. My middle daughter, Michelle, she, I love this kid. She's amazing. She's the one, you know how all of us have a kid who's kind of like us and they push our buttons, right? Because they're like more like us. Yeah. <laughs> so that's this kid. We clash. We had, you know, we, and, and she, all my great stories when I teach my classes are about Michelle, because we had a lot of power struggles and I had a lot of successes with using the things that I learned in this class. Oh, that's mm. wonderful, isn't it? When they're like, yeah, <laughs> I know. And, and, and so I get to this, she was in second grade. And I had a parent teacher conference and I go in and I, and I say very wisely to the teacher, you know, Michelle, she's one of those spirited children. <laughs> and the teacher looked at me like I was nuts. And she's like, I don't get that. She's, 
well-behaved in class. She gets along with the other kids and she's really helpful. And I was just shocked. Like, who is this kid? This teacher has in the class. <laughs> the one that's, oh, we're always fighting at home and all this. And I just realized it was me. Like this was, I had a dynamic happening with my daughter that wasn't, a, wasn't happening in the world. Yeah. And so I made an appointment with a counselor. Like I took this super seriously and I was teaching parenting at the time and everything. So I, you know, it's like, I wasn't, it wasn't that I didn't, I wasn't doing anything particularly wrong. I just, I was, I was having a skewed vision of my daughter. Yeah. So I go into counseling, the counselor, she has us play for an hour and she just observes us. And then she has me come back and, and she helps me understand what's happening. And basically she said, your daughter's very uh, attentive and you're very interactive and you're not waiting for her cues. So she's sitting there waiting, you know, I'm going here, let's do this here. Let's do that. Like, I'm very, yeah. I'm very ADD. Like I'm always all over the place. My oldest daughter and my younger son, they just know that's mom. She's, <laughs> she's all over the place and they just go with the, like they could, their personalities can handle it. Yeah. This child cannot handle that part of my personality. And so that's why all these blowups were happening. I, I wasn't patient. And, and I said to this counselor, patience, I don't have patience. What? <laughs> what in the world? I had to learn patience and it was a huge gift. It was a huge gift yeah. for me to practice and to learn to be patient. It really was something that I didn't have. And that child, Michelle gave that to me and what a gift. And, and it turns out that was, you know, I didn't know it at the time, but that was a gift to her to see yeah. that in her, to, to receive that from her and the relationship we have now is so beautiful and we're so similar and I just love this kid and and everything that could and should have been a big fight or horribleness is where we connect yeah. and we connect because I had positive parenting if I didn't have everything that I learned all these years and practiced everything I learned I would never have this deep connected lovely relationship that I have with this kid that I adore I just and I'm I'm thrilled every day it's like I'm so grateful because it it wasn't on a trajectory to turn out this way that's for sure it's lovely that you were able to change it but also that your your kids are adults now so you can see the benefits of what you've been doing because so big time so many of us you know they're either young or coming into tweens or teens and we're in the in the zone sort of thing at the moment we don't have that um that uh, review review mirror to look back yet but well that's and I didn't have that like I said all those years teaching I was just doing it because it felt right and I I just had a hunch and I was so passionate and it wasn't until they grew up and and that all three of them they're amazing parents the two that are parents and then the middle one who's not a parent yet she's amazing nanny she gets you know I just to see that and the relationship that I have with them now I know like that's that's when I feel like I actually did become an expert even though people thought I was sooner than that it's it's now I really see it I can I can really own it because that yeah and it and I don't I don't have that well not sure yet (laughs) (laughs) let's see what happens (laughs) Yeah, no, it's here. It's amazing. And it it is like, no kidding. I just want everybody in the world to have more tools to, to relate better to their kids. And again, it's not being perfect. You all like, it's not, I'm not perfect. I have yelled. Like (laughs) I just take it more seriously when I, when that happens and I really dive deep and I, and I, and it doesn't happen very often. It's very rare. Yeah. And you use it as as an opportunity to learn from what that situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
So we, when we started talking, you said about, you know, using the tools instead of yelling, using the tools. Are there a couple of tools? I know you've talked about different scenarios, but are there a couple of tools, maybe two or three tools you, you could share with us today that sort of provide options for people? Well, give me some aggravating behaviors that you have to deal with and how old your child is. Okay. So and we'll try right to see if we can be specific. Nine year old, instead of <laughs> homework, is on YouTube, despite a number of conversations. Okay. So there's, there's a good one. So, so with the child that age, and I would say over six, so anybody who has little or kids, they're probably not quite ready for this, but to make uh, contracts, make agreements. So Hun, I noticed we're getting in power struggles every day because you're on YouTube and you're supposed to be doing your homework. Let's sit down and create a mutual agreement. Now, a mutual agreement is between two people agreeing on something. This is not what I call a parental dictate. Yes. <laughs> so yes. if you, the parent, come in and say, okay, from now on, you have to do your homework from three to five and there's no TV and blah, blah, blah. You know, that's a parental dictate. Kids yes. don't usually follow those very well. So what you want to do is you want to sit down here to your child and say, okay, your homework has to get done. Screen time. I understand you get some screen time. My job as a parent is to provide some limits on that. So there's going to be limits on that, but let's see if we can come up with a working um, agreement yeah. about what this should look like and let the child have some input. I'm sure you said you have a son. No, I've got two girls. Daughter, Eleven and nine. two girls. Yeah. Seven and nine. Okay. You know, what, how do you see this looking? When do you, you know, when do you think you're going to get your homework done? How do you want to work in the YouTubing? What happens if you don't keep your agreement? All of these things is a conversation you have that you make an agreement about that will handle 90% of these conflicts yeah. is just making the agreement in the class. We also have another longer procedure that's creating a logical consequence when they don't keep their agreement. Yeah. And so that's another thing that you can consider is, yeah. is what happens when they don't keep their agreement. I prefer to set up a very clear agreement first, and then you write it down and everybody signs, signs it, it and yeah. it goes on the refrigerator. Yeah. And so then if you notice your child's on the YouTube and you say, are you keeping your agreement or go get the agreement and see what it <laughs> says. And so that the agreement is the disciplinarian and not you. Yes. Yes. And that's, you know, and that's what, what you refer to. So then you're not the one who's always having to monitor and police all this stuff and it just works really well especially with a child that age yeah yeah and, and certainly I have been trying to discuss it and talk about being responsible and doing your homework and you know but I think the agreement would be the next step <laughs> yeah and I mean that's that sounds more like a lecture to me right like yeah. that's lecture you know and so what you really want to sit down and you want to listen you want to yeah. say you know I think life would be just great if you could get home from school and do six hours of YouTube and that's not how life is going to be around here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how do you, what do you, what do you see it? You know, have a fun conversation yeah, yeah. with your daughter so that you can really, so she knows that you're really listening to her viewpoint on this and what her desires are and her needs are. And that when you have to start actually negotiating these times they're going to want way more time obviously than we're willing to give them on the computers and you can say you know I understand it would be super fun to be on there for three hours a night and I just know it's not good for your brain and I know you don't understand that now and that's not your job it's my job to know these things yes 
and set the limits on them. And I'm only doing it with, cause I love you and I want what's best for you. And that's, that's the only reason I'm doing this. I'm not trying to ruin your life. I just want, you know, I just, and, and to, to come with compassion. And I always go back to when I was a teenager and I remember how frustrated I was with the lack of ability to make choices and decisions about my life. And I visit that place in my energy when I have to deal with my children in these things so that I'm really coming from a place of understanding. I understand. I remember what it was like. (laughs) So I, you know, I just, I can so commiserate with them at the same time. I'm firmly setting a limit. They are not getting away with anything because I feel, you know, feel for them. I can empathize, but here's the guidelines. (laughs) Right. Right. I call it being relentless with love. Like if you can do that, like that's the best tool ever. Be relentless with love. I love that. I love that. And I think, you know, one thing that's really coming through in, in all of what you're sharing is about being in tune with yourself, but being in tune with the conversation with your with your with your children. And, you know, that physical touch as well, you know, to hug and to hold as often as possible is so powerful and it can just break down whatever is going on in that simple moment. Yeah, that definitely physical touch is so important. I always see there's three prongs to an effective communication with a child. Number one, getting on their level. So if they're still smaller than you, <laughs> that you scooch, you, yeah, you get down and so that you're eye to eye, reaching out and touching, you know, stroking their shoulder, their back, stroking their hair, making a, a loving touch and then looking in their eyes actually looking in their eyes and with your heart like feeling and looking and being in that moment with them when you say i want you to go do your homework now like think about bringing all of that loving energy and intention to that simple statement and you say it one time and then everything else is going to be a follow-through with your actions and so you get out of this rut of parents one of the parents biggest complaints is why do I have to tell them 10 times and I'm like because you're telling them 10 times <laughs> if you if you just tell if you if you really hear what I'm saying like get connected take a moment make sure that your child is paying attention and that's not say look at me when I'm talking to you yeah. it's that you bring a presence a silent presence that yeah. they can't help but look at you and wonder what you want because you're being quiet and then you, and then you fully are connected. And sometimes I'll even ask them, can I, can I tell you what I need or can I make a suggestion? And I want them to say yes before I'll, I'll offer it to them. If they say no, I walk off and they're like, okay, what? (laughs) (laughs) Cause I'm not going to give them my, I feel like my words are gold. Like my words are, are, I I mean, my words are for, for them. It's for them to be better, do better. And if they, if they're going to tune me out, I'm not going to waste my breath. I'm just not going to waste my breath. And, and and it's to their detriment because they're not going to get what they want by, you know, not listening to me or, or not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And so, yeah, I just think, I think that if you can do all of that and tell them one time, that's how you get out of the rut of having to tell them 10 times until everybody's upset and somebody's yelling. (laughs) It's someone screaming. <laughs> right. Usually it's us. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I think it's wonderful, Debbie. I think it's this in, incredible insights. And, you know, there's a lot, there, there is a big movement happening. And I've noticed it in the international schools that we've been associated with in the last few years, 
around positive education and positive psychology and obviously positive parenting is a key part of that as well the school can't do this for you right. you know you have to be a part of the relationship with your child so i think it's really important that we do have these discussions and we do yeah. do um as much as we can with our kids for sure absolutely yeah that's that's who brought me to china it was a our learning center a western learning center and that was to bring the positive parenting to the parents there there you go i, th I think yeah. it's wonderful so debbie you have your own podcast as well positive parenting pet talks I do. And it's short. It is unlike most, most of the podcasts out there. These are three to five minutes average, four, four minutes a day. Uh, just a, a quick oh, on some topic about parenting. They're different every day. Just give a little four minute positive parenting burst for you in the morning. Start your day off in a positive way, positive frame of mind. And you can search back through the archives for things that you actually need. <laughs> But they're not, they're not in-depth conversations. They're, they're meant to be just a little pep talk and, a, and an introduction to different, the different topics related to parenting. Brilliant. And, and I'll put all your links in the notes where people find Great. us as well. So I highly recommend you check out uh, Debbie's website, positiveparenting.com, and look into some of the resources that she's got available and tune into the podcast. It's really cool. So <laughs> thank you so much, Debbie. Is there anything you wanted to add before we finish up? today no just thank you so much emily it's so great that you offer this to the parents living abroad and it's it's neat to have a community and i think that's more than anything else the important work that you're doing and that so thank you thank you so much thank you for your time all right you too